while working on netaji's mystery that's when i realized that his political life was as much a mystery or less well known less known to people as was his uh, mysterious disappearance and that is when i decided to write his biography both the untold story of an inconvenient nationalist in his own words he would say that his coming out was not in the interest of the country so that okay. meant that he was treated as an enemy uh, and as an axis collaborator by the allied powers allied powers meant uh, the usa and uh, england and uh, those who were against the axis powers japan germany italy with whom netaji was allied when uh, netaji statue was set up in kartavata there were a lot of adverse comments and reactions from the western press from the western intellectuals and even the westernized brown sahib intellectuals in our within our own country welcome to another super episode of the ironic show so this is one topic that since the day i started ironic show many of my friends families asked me why don't you do a podcast on subhash chandra bose and personally i find the topic and the life and death of netaji very intriguing i was looking forward to a guest who can give us the right details about netaji and finally my search came to an end with chandrachur ghosh sir he is someone who has spent almost 20 years of his life researching on netaji writing on netaji and finally we have him on the ironic show we are going to speak a lot about netaji we are going to explore his life his death the gumnami baba story this is one episode that you cannot afford to miss watch it till the very end and do not forget to like share and subscribe your each like each share helps us through the youtube algorithm we are on spotify do follow us enjoy chandrachur sir welcome to the ironic show uh sir thank you so much for your time sir ye jo topic hai na subhash chandra bose ka this has been since i started my podcast 6 months back 6 7 months back uh this has been one of the most requested topic but uh i was not able to you know find the right person who would be able to speak on subhash chandra bose uh i know you and anu sir are the pioneers in india if i have to talk uh, who have been you know researching who have been the historian when it comes to netaji's topic and sir finally we have you on the show it's uh, it's absolutely our honor to have you here no no it's my pleasure it's very much my pleasure but let me correct you i am not a historian uh, i'm more of an investigative writer i okay. dig out facts that's my work because i believe that the moment you call yourself a professional historian mm-hmm. you bind yourself to certain frameworks certain uh, preconceived notions ideas mm. and uh, ideologies i don't want to keep myself restricted or bound by any of those so okay. i go with facts and uh, whatever facts uh, throw up which is uh, in most cases i have found uh, quite divergent from what history per se we have learned we have been taught the hmm. history uh, that have been written in academic books there is much more history much more much history beyond what has been recorded and taught in academic curriculum so my work has basically been to go beyond what is usually known and accepted so talking about the history books or the textbooks as you mentioned in our academics so i believe that the history that we are taught is demeaning history to india because it's not the indian history that we are being taught about it's not the indian heroes or the people who should actually look forward to those topics are not being taught we are taught about how british ruled india or how mughals ruled india why why is that so and how See, it can very, be corrected it's it's a very broad topic uh i am i can't comment on how it can be corrected but uh, what uh, i have seen over the past uh, one decade at least uh, or maybe i would say from around 2009 uh, 10 from around that time the discourse on uh, historical narrative hmm. that uh, the standard narrative began to be challenged very seriously to a number of people and with the advent of social media that gained a lot of momentum that gained a lot of power and with normal people common people's participation social media is a very democratic platform it allows everybody so just as it uh, brings in a lot of low iq uh, imbecile uh, people it also gives the platform to people who have seriously studied subjects 
and raise very uncomfortable questions. So uh, it was led by uh, some of those uh, uh, people who were raising uncomfortable questions, critical questions, questioning the traditional conventional narrative. And uh, that brought in a, a very big change in the consciousness, in the awareness of the common man, the common people. And the uh, way we have been taught history uh, in the last decade, at least, as I said, that thing has changed. So we, ha we have now different versions. We have uh, uh, a lot of different streams of narratives. We challenge the mainstream narrative. And these, th those who were the challengers uh, are in turn becoming uh, the mainstream. They have gained wide popularity. People like those narratives and find more credible. I mean, answering your question, why the uh, previous uh, mm. narrative was in vogue, why it was taught in that way. Uh, I won't say that Indian perspective was missing. Of course, Indian perspective was there. It, it was uh, not that uh, it wasn't there. But it was always presented in a selective manner, which suited the ideological framework of those who were in charge of academic institutions, those mm. who were running the governments, their uh, perspective. Uh, the history was being written with, a, with, a, with, a, with an end objective, with a political goal of papering over uncomfortable periods, periods of uh, dissent, periods of conflict, and uh, uncomfortable bits of history were being written off. Uh, and, and there was always the glorification of a selected few. And the roles of a lot of people who played a very critical role in the history, in shaping the history of our uh, country, their roles were minimized, uh, if not completely obliterated. And that was done to highlight and glorify only a particular few. But that has changed drastically now. It's no more the case. And uh, I don't think there is any uh, concerted attempt to rewrite history till now. But it should be rectified the way uh, historical narrative has been set. That should be rectified. And that's the job of the government. But I don't find the government too responsive. But uh, that also is not very critically important anymore because there are so many writers now who are uh, writing very important books and their books are very, very popular. People are reading them, questioning the mainstream. So a change is happening on its own, whether the government wants it or not. So I believe it's because of people like you and Anusar who have been you know, all over social media talking about... Uh, let's, let's talk about Subhash Chandra Bose. Uh, talking about Subhash Chandra Bose, uh, you have... You yourself have written a couple of books on Netaji, one co-authored with uh, Anusar and one you just published, which is Bosch. Uh, so, and then again, today's youth has access to internet wherein they can, you know, tune into podcasts like this. There are so many narratives and so many videos that you, that you can find of on Netaji today on the internet. But very few of them actually speaks about the truth or actually the maybe the information is not available to them. Now, uh, people like you who have you know who have been researching on this topic so what is the upper hand that you get uh, compared to people like us who have just maybe one one medium or a couple of mediums to read about Subhash Chandra Bose or for that matter Indian history uh, see uh, the thing is uh, when we started uh, working on uh, Netaji the, our focus Anuj and my focus and uh, we uh, put together uh, an organization, a pressure group called Mission Netaji in 2005 and uh, started working to find out the truth behind Netaji's disappearance. Uh, we were very focused on that. And one thing we realized uh, was that practically all important files uh, related to Netaji's disappearance were still classified. So we were 70 years away from independence, but still mm. uh, these files on Netaji were uh, kept secret confidential under lock and key and not available to scholars or common people. In the meantime, a narrative has been built around Subhash Chandra Bose by the dominant uh, academic intelligentsia, uh, which was primarily leftist Marxist. And uh, obviously the Congress was there. And uh, it was in their interest to show the, uh, to uphold their ideological position. It was in their interest to play down uh, Netaji's role in winning India's independence, uh, to play down uh, all the work that he, the phenomenal work that he did, that he could achieve 
or, or what all he did and uh, to highlight uh, or, or or create certain narratives to show that he committed a lot of mistakes which should not have been done but he was a great patriot that nobody could ignore so actually uh, it was a very interesting case that uh, one person who had been systematically sidelined by official narrative by the education uh, system by the uh, textbooks that person we found was immensely popular and alive in popular imagination in a popular memory despite that uh, uh, that neglect official neglect mm. and we were focusing on this uh, mystery aspects so of as i said that most of the files and documents were classified and in 2005 when we started this campaign uh, the last commission of inquiries appointed by the central government it was appointed uh, under the orders of the calcutta high court uh it was the, the that the findings of that commission were rejected by the government and the uh, issue was dead it was uh, pushed under the carpet issue was dead and we realized that if we don't intervene if we don't do anything right now this is going to go away forever because nobody for nobody ever again is going to uh, challenge this issue raise this issue mm. the mainstream media had no interest uh, on that matter the academicians had even less interest uh, we had uh, important uh, the, i mean highly celebrated historians like uh, sumit sarkar saying that i mean it's a waste of time to even ask those kind of questions about his disappearance or death so it it was a very hostile situation this hostile environment at that time so what could we do i mean we were youngsters at that time i'm talking of about 18 years ago and uh, i mean we didn't have any special privilege no special access uh, what could we do so we decided that we would go for a transparency related campaign transparency related campaign in the sense that people didn't have much interest in netaji at that time uh, i mean uh, we were active in orkut and uh, orkut was a main social media yeah. platform at that time and uh, it was it was not very very popular like facebook is now twitter is now and uh, relatively much less a number of people used to use or could facebook was just coming in and uh, people used to uh, consider as crackpots as as people who were wasting time and creating uh, conspiracy theories propagating conspiracy theories so we decided we would go uh, or take the route of transparency because transparency was an issue that interested everybody it was a political issue it was a social issue and everybody at that at that time transparency had become a key political issue so we started use as luck would have uh, we would uh, we were very lucky to have that legislation in 2005 uh, the year we came together that uh, the right to uh, information act 2005 uh, and uh, i decided that that was the best instrument so uh, we started this campaign uh, under the right to information act we started asking uh, for documents for information what information was with the government what was not in the public domain so all these things we started and it went on we relentlessly we carried on with this campaign and uh, fortunately we got the full support of the central information commission the central information commission was not responsible responsive in the beginning but once they saw our perspective once they understood our perspective this they agreed with us and and they meant because we were talking about transparency they as a as an institution which was set up to induce transparency in the whole governance system they stood strongly by us and uh, we had the the cic central information commission had its second full bench hearing on the matter of netaji's disappearance and that was a big thing at the time so all these things happening started grabbing the attention of the media now without media's attention no campaign can succeed in our mm. country so uh, i mean as it happened uh, we succeeded to a great extent the government was asked to declassify uh, a significant number of documents in 2007 that was the first success we had and uh, then in 2010 uh, i i fought uh, this case for over 4 years for four and a half years and the ministry of uh, home affairs was compelled by the Uh, CIC to declassify over 10000 uh, pages of uh, information related to the disappearance 
documents which were considered or shown to the Mukherjee Commission, the last uh, Commission of Inquiry which I had referred to. So, uh, step by step, we were making progress in uh, through transparency campaign. We were getting hold of documents of files which had never been seen by anybody. And then, uh, the uh, uh, and then after our campaign, uh, the West Bengal government declassified. Uh, 64 files in uh, 2015 and these 10,000 pages which were declassified in 2010 from there we found this uh, story that the government of India was spying on Netaji's family and associates not only on family but his associates too and this became such a big national story that it impacted the government and in 2014 we had the uh, general elections so in 2015, this became a very, very big issue. 2014-15, uh, it became a very big issue. And uh, once uh, Narendra Modi became the prime minister, he took the initiative uh, to declassify. Uh, he said, the government, his government said that all files related to Netaji. Now, by that time, uh, the Mamta Banerjee government in West Bengal had also declassified 64 files. Although we know that not all files in Bengal have been declassified, but 64 files, uh, which we had asked for, whose existence was denied by the Bengal government at that time, uh, they were declassified. And after that, the uh, NDA government, the central government, declassified around 304 documents, uh, uh, files. Now, we know that all files have not been declassified, uh, neither by the central government nor by the uh, Bengal government. But the most critical files would be with the central government, and those would be the intelligence files. Because okay. uh, it, it's, it's very clear that uh, there was nothing like a plane crash in 1945 in which he would have died. So the big question was, therefore, what happened if he did not die in the plane crash? And uh, our theory, which we had uh, through our research, through our uh, through digging, uh, through these files and everything and other investigation modes, we had been investigating this issue from the time we formed Mission Netaji. It was completely we were uh, ascertained we had as completely ascertained that netaji had come back he survived the uh, i won't say survived because he did not get into the plane crash but he did not die in 1945 but later on in early 1950s he came back to india and lived here till 1985 so this story which was treated as a conspiracy theory as a kind of an insult to netaji's image when we presented the facts, when we argued in front of the people of the country and uh, uh, in different places, this has uh, successfully become the mainstream story. Now this is the mainstream. It, it was never the mainstream. It was always a fringe constri- uh, conspiracy theory. But now people see the reasons. People see the facts. And in this thing, we have been helped by judicial intervention also. So for example, in 2013, the Allahabad High Court passed a very, very important order on uh, uh, in which it uh, directed the Uttar Pradesh government to set up an inquiry uh, to investigate the identity of the so-called Gumnami Baba and to preserve all his belongings in a museum, no less. So, I mean, obviously the question is there are hundreds of thousands of Babas in our country. Yeah. Uh, no uh, High Court ever directs a government to preserve their uh, belongings, materials recovered in a museum. So uh, all all these things were happening. And uh, obviously, I mean, after that, we decided to uh, document our findings and our investigation in a book, which uh, Anuj and I jointly wrote. uh, That came out in 2019. And in 2019 itself, uh, Sujit Mukherjee uh, released his movie, Gumdami. So all these things happened uh, one after the other and uh, uh, the, 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 the platform was set properly for uh, making this, uh, this, this angle the mainstream angle. But hmm. our strength has been what gives us the authenticity and the credibility is that we have not only uh, studied all the files, the official files and documents uh, in private collections and done ground investigations 
but we were responsible for bringing those files out of the closet because nobody had this was the job of the professional historians but none of them showed interest none of them took any initiative neither the professional academic historians nor anybody from the uh, family of uh, netaji so it was left to us we did it we got the files out we studied them we conducted our investigation and we reached a conclusion so that established our uh, credibility in public eye okay sir uh, you just mentioned that there were a lot of documents that were uh, declassified uh, as you termed it by the west bengal government mamta government was there then some by the central government which you said is was a 10000 page report right so when you went through these reports and these files what uh, what kind of information did you get which really shocked you i mean was there something that you had no idea about and you fi- found out from these files obviously i mean the first thing that shocked us uh, from those 10000 pages that were declassified in 2010 was the snooping story that the government of india was spying on netaji's family and associates till mm. 1970s so why would a government spy uh, uh, set up surveillance and continue surveillance on his family and mm. associates uh, say around 30 years after his so called death it makes no sense in the because uh, a, a huge network of officers were deployed throughout the country throughout the country in all states who were keeping an eye on those people related to netaji either by blood ties or by political association and reporting back to the central ib so there has to be a reason behind this and which could only mean as at that time uh, practically all political uh, parties uh, acknowledged that this could only mean that uh, the government never believed in its own story that netaji had died in 1945 Uh, and and they uh, sincerely believed and uh, they were that jatish was alive somewhere and were trying to find out more about it. Uh, that was the most uh, critical finding the first and and it's it's not uh, i mean reading of uh, reading through pages uh, government files it it, it shows uh, gives different bits and pieces of information which have to be put together it's it's not that it it comes out as a neat story as such so you connect the dots you join the dots uh, it's like a jigsaw puzzle you get one piece of information from one file you get another piece of information from another file so you have to go through these hundreds of files each file uh, i mean it was bulky i mean 300 400 500 pages you have to carefully study them line by line word by word see when uh, those were written who by whom what are they trying to say what are they hiding what are they uh, revealing and put that together with the ground level investigations the people that we were meeting interviewing gathering information from them so everything had to be put together to get the whole picture so there has been quite a spy i mean we already i mean when we were young we used to hear about gumnami baba story and all that right so this has personally was this was personally really interesting for me intriguing for me and also for the there is also a personal angle out here uh, so if you remember when we first discussed i, I mentioned that i'm related to dr pavitra mohan roy who was uh, netaji's yeah, one yeah. of the who was netaji's one of the allies in ina hmm. so when you mentioned that uh, his close allies his family was continuously under the scanner so do you also mean that they were also keeping an eye on his allies from ina of course of course of course they were and uh, we have found some files which clearly uh, show that the his ina associates were being uh, spied upon Uh, but uh, as i said that not all files have come out yet so there mm. are a lot of files which have which are still secret and uh, we don't know the full magnitude of the activity we don't know everything so files with the central in- when i say intelligence files it means files uh, belonging to the ib files maintained by the ib files maintained by raw files maintained by the military intelligence files maintained by the state uh, uh, special branches or cids so both at the state level and the central level uh, there would be a huge amount of files a whole lot of files which is still kept secret and whose existence is also denied because uh, the thing is that you cannot ask the ib or the intelligence agencies questions under the right to information hmm. act they are out of the purview of the act so they don't fall under the transparency uh, legislation right. 
So they are not obliged to answer. But even okay. then, uh, we had asked questions of them. We we didn't leave them. We asked questions and uh, they responded. And as it happened that uh, when they responded, they should have avoided. They should have not responded because we caught the lie. I mean, when they responded, it was not uh, truth that they were telling us. And uh, we could we could spot because there are so many hundreds of files and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of pages. It is very difficult to build and sustain a coherent lie because somewhere, somehow you will say something which will be contradicted by your own files. And that has happened. So how do we know? I mean, basically, the question you should ask me is or you can ask me is if the very existence of these secret files, intelligence files are being right. denied. How can I even say as an outsider, as a mm. normal citizen, that those mm. files exist? Right. That is because we have studied the files which have been which have been declassified. Because the existence of those files are indicated in these declassified files. But they have not been given out in the public domain. So which basically means the files exist, but they have not been brought out in the public. Uh, sir, as per the government reports, uh, it has been mentioned that they were in touch. They knew about Netaji up until 1985. As per the common narrative, which was earlier there, that he has been, uh, he died in that plane crash. No, no, there is no government report that, which says that they were in touch till 1985. The government okay. has never identified, acknowledged that or said that. So it was Gumnami Baba story, which was known until uh, 1985 almost? 1984, 85? Yeah, 1985. Okay. So if Netaji uh, was there up until 1984-85, why didn't he come out uh, in the public domain, public knowledge? Why well, didn't uh, he come out? See, I mean, one, uh, I would, anybody who wants to, this, this answer, this question cannot be answered in 10 minutes or even half an hour. Right. I mean, in the book, the conundrum that we wrote, we have answered this question in detail. And uh, out of the, uh, I think, around 900-page book, this answering this question has taken us around 250 pages. Because it's a very complex case. It's, it's not a, uh, a normal, uh, straightforward story. And mm. and various, several threads have to be brought together. There were many, many reasons. There was not one single reason. There were many, many reasons. And uh, I mean, one, uh, and, and, and uh, if, if I just say one or two reasons, they will not always sound plausible. But if you put all the reasons together, then it becomes very clear why he didn't come out. I mean, for example, he would say that, uh, in his own words, he would say that, his coming out was not in the interest of the country. So that okay. meant that he was treated as an enemy uh, and as an Axis collaborator by the Allied powers. Allied powers meant uh, the USA and uh, England and uh, those who were against the Axis powers, Japan, Germany, Italy, with whom Netaji was allied. And uh, we, we know the attitude of these countries, UK and US, towards the Axis powers of that time. Even we, we saw glimpses of that as late as in 2022 when uh, Netaji statue was set up in Kartavapan. There were a lot of adverse comments and reactions from the Western press, from the Western intellectual, intellectuals, and even the Westernized uh, Brown Sahib intellectuals in our, within our own country. So the point, simple point is that if after 75, 80 years, that is the kind of reaction, the sharp mm. reaction that comes in after 80 years, just imagine what would have been the reaction 80 years ago in 1950, for example, say, let's, right. let's take 1950, what would have been the reaction? There would have been immense pressure on India to uh, set him up for some kind of uh, war criminal justice, war crime justice, war crime tribunal. Although the no file as such directly points him or identify him, identifies him as a war criminal, but he was uh, looked as a collaborator, looked upon as a collaborator of the Axis powers. So that itself would have uh, uh, created a huge obstacle in the in the form of objection from UK and US, which were very important partners of India at the time. India was, uh, was still a dominion or just, just had just become a republic. It is uh, still a member of the British Commonwealth. It was uh, asking for help, aid, food aid, and other kinds of aid from the uh, Americans that they would have uh, put enormous amount of uh, pressure on India to hand over, hand him, hand Subhash Bush over to some kind of criminal uh, war, criminal justice or war criminal trials, 
or at least in at the least to penalize him in some form prevent hmm. his come back to the political system that would have uh, created a lot of problem in india because indian people would have objected to that uh, very vehemently and what bhagwan ji or the, the so called gumnami baba said is that india would have become uh, the focal point of an international conflict and india being a nascent country at that time he wanted to avoid that situation where the country would suffer because of him so that he that was one of the reasons there were many other reasons there were many other reasons where uh, the political system was uh, set up in a manner where he did not see himself fitting into it he was not interested in i mean the post of a, a prime minister or a president was too small for him at that time he he was just not interested in politics he had taken to the line of spiritualism very seriously and uh, that is uh, much that was much much more than a common person can imagine or can think of it it he had uh, so deeply uh, immersed himself into spiritual practices sadhana as we know it uh, so there he had i mean his mental setup had completely changed his way of looking at things had uh, transformed and he wanted to serve india by being in the background so it was not that he had retired and was leading a restful life uh, but he was working if we have if you have to believe his uh, uh, narratives his anecdotes his stories he was leading an intensely busy life but mostly in global geopolitical forums uh, arena and uh, protecting promoting uh, india's interests and uh, probably playing his games to protect india from becoming a center of conflict between the uh, it was a cold war era so between the soviet bloc and the allied bloc uh, he he was trying to protect india from becoming a zone of conflict because if you look at that time at, uh, at the other parts of the country, uh, world every part of the world at that time was a zone of conflict a fight between uh these two blocks to gain supremacy and gain their influence so he wanted india to stay out of that conflict uh, zone so that he was working towards that and and there were various other issues and we have also uh raised uh, uh, the question of uh, certain psychiatric issues certain psychiatric uh, problems which he might have been facing his otherwise his health was uh, quite broken down uh, he was not in the best of his health uh, so a basket of issues a basket of reasons were there it was not just one so all these things put together uh, he uh, he there might have been times when he wanted to come out uh, and uh, play a more active and public role but then most of the times he uh, chose to stay behind uh, public gaze public eyes and uh, do uh, whatever he was doing uh, without people coming to know sir i have a really burning question in my heart uh, so we talk about india's independence right it is only limited to few people uh, not naming one who are said to be the heroes of india's independence because of whom india got independence and netaji's role is completely cut off from you know if you, even if you read anywhere you will won't find netaji's contribution to the india's history so what was exactly netaji subhash chandra bose's contribution to indian independence uh well that netaji's contribution uh, to india's independence was firstly as long as he was in india uh, as a congressman hmm. it was to build uh, a, a a parallel and alternative form of uh, movement uh, in relation to the gandhian movement so gandhi had his uh, this his school of thought which was non-violent uh, non-cooperation yeah. uh, non-violent mass movement but he would keep that entire thing under his control so the congress was not allowed to get into a mass movement without gandhi's explicit approval subhas was okay with non-violent mass uh, movement he 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 didn't have a problem with that what but his problem was that to restrict the entire national movement to that one mode that one process one method of movement so he what he started doing was 
from 1928 onwards uh, what uh, i have seen while writing his biography is that he was organizing the youth and the student communities across the country particularly in bengal but across the country uh, collaborating with the various revolutionary groups across the country to create a mass organization which would be very disciplined which would be trained uh, so military drills and everything had become the normal practice in the in those organizations which were following him uh, and and the british were really getting worried about it so he he planned to build up a, a national organization which would remain dormant uh, in the normal times but when time comes they would create a mass upheaval and take to armed struggle armed upheaval if required so he was not bound by any uh, ideological uh, constraints uh, as in gandhi's case hmm. because uh, as we saw that when the time uh, the, during the uh, when the world second world war had started the, that was the time when uh, the struggle the conflict between uh, subhas bos and gandhi became the most intense because subhas bos thought that that was the ideal time to hit the british government uh, it the environment has been created for that and gandhi thought gandhi and the congress were sympathetic to the british they did not want to embarrass the british government so uh, gandhi made all the excuses he could not to start a mass movement now subhas tried in his own way the british government saw that he was succeeding and he had become all, uh, almost the, i mean the second most popular leader in the country after gandhi and he had successfully challenged and built up his position Uh, national so they did what they did best the government did best they uh, in in 1940 july they threw him in jail now subhas had anticipated it he had anticipated that once the movement that he was planning for once that would start gathering momentum he would be sent to prison and that's why he had started planning at least a year before that about going out of the country and raising forces outside the country so that uh, the british forces could be attacked from outside so that's how he had planned it was not a, a one night thought or one week thought he had been planning that for at least the last, previous one year so he left the country he uh, wanted to go to russia but that was not possible so he went to germany and italy raised uh, uh, his government in exile there raised an army there from the prisoners of war it was not an easy job i mean he just went alone without any help without any uh, uh, solid backing of any organization a, a single man he just goes in yeah. through immense hardship immense sacrifice uh, it's unimaginable it's it's a material of a spy thriller almost i mean it's it's like just like uh, james bond without the fast cars the guns and the women so uh, it's 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 unimaginable so he goes almost uh, unknown entity a very little known entity goes to germany impresses from the uh, top to bottom of the government uh, in germany and italy convinces them to uh, give him that diplomatic status of a foreign head set up the uh, uh, government in exile there free india center uh, and then raise the indian legion which was the army of liberation and then when things did not uh, work out according to his plans his expectations he wanted to go to southeast asia and he was allowed to the uh, hitler uh, made provisions for him to, to uh, go to japan and when he went to japan he raised another government in exile the ina which had already been formed uh, was in a uh, state of uh, dissolution it it, it 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 had almost broken down and everything so he rejuvenated that existing ina expanded it gave the call for total mobilization so the ina ex- expanded increased in volume like anything people started pouring in money uh, all the resources so there i mean the huge amount of work that that one man could uh, Uh, marshal all these resources he could put together all these resources and convince it was not an easy task to just go to japan meet the prime minister 
Tojo, the Prime Minister of Japan, was not even ready to meet him when he went to Japan because Tojo had a very bitter experience with the previous uh, Indian Independence League and INA conflict, the conflict between General Mohan Singh and Rashbihari Bose. But once he met Subhash Bose, within a few minutes, he was convinced enough. He was so impressed, he was so influenced that he committed unconditional help from Japan uh, for India's war of liberation. So that happened. Unfortunately, uh, the INA was not in a position to win the battle. It did not have those equipment, ammunitions, logistical backup and everything that was required to win the war. But it was almost on the verge of uh, winning the Battle of Imphal. When luck intervened, it was bad luck, misfortune. It lost the uh, initiative, had to fall back. Uh, the monsoon intervened and messed up everything. So all these factors played against the INA, but it, it was seen with a huge amount of respect in, in this entire region. But what it could not achieve in the battlefield, the INA achieved after the Second World War when they were brought, the soldiers were brought back to India as prisoners of war. And the British government declared that they would be tried, there, there would be uh, a court martial. So, uh, that created a repercussion, a reaction amongst the ordinary people of the in, of the country, uh, and 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 it was not it was not organized or incited by any uh, political organization. The entire thing happened on its own in the very beginning, and the Congress saw the opportunity and stoked the fire, and that uh, almost a rebellion. The country reached the state of rebellion. The entire country. So, and gradually that seeped into the Royal Indian Air Force where there was a mutiny. Then, the, of course, the very well-known Royal Indian Navy mutiny. Yeah. And the, the British Indian Army, the soldiers in the British Indian Army were uh, found to be getting sympathetic towards the INA. And the whole momentum was built up. Uh, a situation, an environment was built up where everybody was acutely then working for uh, 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 independence, transfer of power at the very earliest. And when the British realized that they had lost the control, the influence over the British Indian Army, which was the main instrument of holding the country together, that's when they decided. So the INA trials start in uh, November, December 1945. In February, the Royal Indian Navy mutiny happens. Then mutiny after mutiny, student unrest, firing, rioting, uh, throughout the country it happens. And the, the day the uh, Royal Indian Navy mutiny starts, that's the day when Clement Attlee, the British Prime Minister, stands in the House of Commons and declares that we have decided to leave India by a definite date, which was 1948 June. So that is the situation, that was the situation which was created by the trial of the INA, which compelled the British to quickly decide that they had to leave. There was no more extension. Otherwise, there was no sign that the Britishers were in any sort of rush to leave. So that is the main contribution. So there has been uh, talk, I mean, there has been so much uh, about Netaji's, you know, Gumnami Baba story, Bhagwanji story, uh, you know, his death controversies and all that. But there is very little known facts about Netaji's early life. How Netaji became what Netaji was. His ideology was completely uh, opposite to that what Gandhi had, right? So how did one person who grew up in India, uh, came from abroad, studied abroad, uh, a Bengali a Bengali lad? So how did his you know, mindset change, and how did that you know patriotism get into him? What was his early life like? It, I mean, uh, obviously he belonged to an aristocratic family, and uh, was conscious. Uh, of uh, things around him, but it was only in his uh, early teens that when he got acquainted with uh, his uh, school principal, Beni Madhav Das. Beni Madhav Das was the person who inculcated the value of patriotism, about uh, nature, about uh, society. Uh, those morals, the moral values, uh, ethical values, those were for the first time inculcated into him by Beni Madhav Das. And because of Benimadav Das, probably around that time, he was uh, he got introduced to Vivekananda's works. 
and he was so influenced by vivekananda and ramkrishna that he took to social service that became social service and spiritual uh, liberation these became his two goals in life at that very early age and obviously from here to political uh, awareness uh, was was uh, a very short step and so he grew from steps to step then he came to calcutta got acquainted with the revolutionary groups there saw them from very close how they operated what they were doing the gandhian groups gandhi was getting slowly getting popular so all this was happening and his consciousness was also transforming so actually this is right i mean very few people know about his early life and what all he did so and and while working on netaji's mystery that's when i realized that his political life was as much a mystery or less well known less known to people as was his uh, mysterious disappearance and that is when i decided to write his biography both the untold story of an inconvenient nationalist so and and and, and i realized that there is so much information which have become declassified over the years and even among these files that we got declassified that also contained a lot of biographical material there those contained accounts of people who had worked very closely with him so this kind of information was not available previously so i had this access to these contemporary newspapers journals throughout the world and i decided to put them together because even his published collected works don't reflect the extent of his activity his intellectual output it's is very less compared to what we find in the collected works of mahatma gandhi published by the government of india yeah. or the selected works of jawala nehru published by the nehru memorial museum and library so they the works of gandhi and works of nehru have been compiled with great care and they are voluminous but the works of netaji have been collected by some of his family members and they create a great drama that they have done a great job and a huge service to the country which is not basically they got government grants but the output is extremely poor and and as i say that if you look at the number of years when he was politically active say from 1921 to 1945 the number of pages for those 24 years 24 25 years if you compare between gandhi's collected works nehru's selected works and netaji collected works netaji's collected works is 1/10th of what has been published for gandhi 1/3 of what has been published for nehru now netaji was not sitting idle or any less active he was constantly moving throughout the country even when in jail he was writing letters reading books writing notes and everything so there's a huge amount of literature which has mm. remained outside this published works and then i realized that there is a lot of information which uh, are lying with private collectors so there has been no effort by the government forget the family the family is living upon his name his uh, brand name so they they there has been no effort to put all this together so that's why i wrote the biography so that i could include as much information i could show his very uh, varied uh, facets of his personality the, the range of his thoughts and actions and activities which finally contributed to india's independence sir i have uh, one question about your the other book you just spoke about your book which was released recently the bose the unconventional nationalist you also co-authored a book with anusar which was conundrum so right. what is the difference between these two books if you have to put in perspective for someone who might uh, want to read these two books see the uh, basic difference is uh, i have not dealt with his disappearance in the biography okay usually biographies contain uh, the political life and the plane crash and all those things uh, but i decided that i will stop on the last day of his publicly known appearance so the biography covers only his political thoughts political views his uh, religious thoughts activities and reconstruction of the personality because uh, as i said because of lack of material the full scale personality of subhash chandra bose was not known so i try to recon- reconstruct that by getting as much information as possible and i stopped on the last day of his known public movement known public appearance conundrum on the other hand deals 
completely entirely with the uh, incident of his return to india in the early 1950s till his la- till the last day of his life so that is these are two very different aspects and they are complementary in that uh, in, in that uh, context they are complementary so you read one book you understand the man as he was then you read the other book and then you try to see the transformation the similarities uh, during the last 30 35 years of his life so these are the platforms where we can speak so freely and uh, you know so much about uh, netaji and all other you know indian history uh, there are very few episodes where i just completely keep silent and just listen to the guest this was one such one uh, you know one such episode and i thoroughly enjoyed it uh, chandrachur sir thank you again for your time and i hope this podcast reaches to as many people as possible and they get to know the real story behind the man behind the legend and they come out and support this netaji mission that you and anusar have started that's and very important because a lot of people keep asking that uh, right why did it happen why didn't he come out i i i i mean i have reached a stage where i have started becoming a bit rude and say that you look into the mirror and you will know where why he didn't come out because i mean now that we have brought the truth in front of everybody mm. uh, and, and and if people if the common man uh, just wants to satisfy his curiosity and not uh, do his bit uh, to uh, get the truth out to compel the government it is our government it's our country right. our government it is our job to force the government to uh, speak out the truth so if we don't do our bit then uh, then we lose the right to ask the question as to why did he not come out and why did this happen yeah. why did he behave like that so that's as it is but we do say i mean i mean without public support without public uh, standing behind us yeah this is a f- battle we have been fighting for the last 18 years and uh, we are also getting on uh, with age and years uh, but without support without public support uh, it's it's not possible so that's a very uh, crucial point that we need people to come forward and support the right. because it's in a battle everybody this is a battle where everybody cannot be a soldier everybody cannot fight because we are at the forefront what the minimum that you can do the minimum that people can do is to support us so that we can take the uh, battle to the logical end thank you so much chandrachur sir you. it was such an uh, you know intriguing and important story to be brought out and thank you so much that and thank you for the work that you have been doing thank you so much sir thank you my pleasure thank you good night jai hind